First of all, the healed feminine is going to heal this planet. Not just women, the healed feminine, almost especially in men. Can I deviate away from my conditioned normalcy? And can I start looking at a much deeper intimacy? When you look inside your heart, you see that your heart really loves life and really embraces life and doesn't have that same fear and that that's really the, the source of your courage. You first travel into the shadow. How is that, how is that, how is that impacting my life? It really shifts the energy so quickly in the mind, in the body, it, because you're not dismissing, you're not fighting the ego, you're not fighting the small self. You're welcoming it in, but you're just saying, hey, I actually know what I want, and I'm choosing to change that for myself. Hey, Soul Family, this is your host, Nick Walker, and welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast, the hub of all things physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. The mission here is simple. How can we tap into our highest power and well-being as individuals and leverage that foundation to create more joy, freedom, love, fulfillment, and success? Not only for ourselves, but for the world at large. And before I introduce today's guest, I want to give a huge shout out to my great friend, Dante DiPascale. Dante, you know who you are, dude. Like This beat is amazing. This introduction is amazing. I, I love the flavor that it brings to my show. So, our show. <laughs> I like the flavor that it brings to our show because honestly, this is, um, you know, I want to make this place feel like home for everyone who listens. Um, you know, the way, like whenever I, whenever I think about this intro, I picture myself walking on a cold winter morning, <laughs> on a cold winter morning, like with the snow out and you know, maybe I just had a coffee or something and I'm like walking to class, like whatever, but that's just the vibe and, it, and it's like it's like a coffee shop vibe and it makes me feel like i'm at home you know so thank you for the beat and on to the guest for today so our guest is his name is jason mckenzie and jason is the host not the host he's the co-founder of sacred sons and sacred sons is one of the most prominent men's groups and organizations in the world so Jason and I, I loved how deep we were able to go in this conversation. Um, I really respect and honor the presence that he brought to the show, um, the depth and the vulnerability that he brought. And overall, I mean, I, I love the topics that we went over as well. You know, we talked about the masculine archetypes and how, and how they show up. We talk about the nature of men's groups and kind of, you know, through each of our respective experiences like you know what is able to come up within you as a man um engaging in these environments and overall i just love how we talked about you know like how can we really show up as men as as the most truthful powerful embodied um and free you know sovereign versions of ourselves so this was an amazing podcast with jason and i appreciate you for listening enjoy the show jason i appreciate you being here my man thanks nick it's good to be here good to connect with you and looking forward to what we unfurl here yeah and I, and I, and I tried, you know, with that quick intro, I tried to do sacred sons, the most justice I could based on the research that I did. But I mean, um, before we get into, you know, like who you are and, and my first question that I have for you, how would you describe sacred sons? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that intro. Um, yeah, I'm co-founder of sacred sons. And then I'm also on the, uh, the board of our new nonprofit, which is Sacred Sons Foundation. Um, 
And basically what Sacred Sons, you know, mission is to anchor in and bring awareness and presence back to um, grounded masculinity or embodied masculinity or um, honest masculinity. And the way that we like to uh, crystallize that is by saying um, we're here to co-steward the return of the father archetype. Um, and I imagine we'll get into more of that here as, as we chat. Um, but essentially, you know, anybody who's listened to this, I imagine is aware on some level of aspects of what is missing in this world uh, with men and masculinity and Sacred Sons is here to start to piece those things back together uh, one step at a time. Beautiful. And so, Jason, what's alive for you right now, man? What's alive for me is this is the first podcast I've done in a few weeks, and it feels good to connect and speak in this way. Um, I've had some cacao. I'm still drinking it. Um, that's very alive in my system <laughs> and I'm very grateful for that medicine. Um, underneath that excitement to connect and, and chat with you and learn more about you and, and share what, um, you know, the things that I've gleaned through this work underneath that excitement is, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of emotional waves, um, you know, as we were talking before we started recording, just some highs and lows the past past several weeks, past year, um, and recently going through some heartbreak and a separation of, in partnership for that I've been in for four years. So, uh, just moving through those those pieces and finding clarity and compassion, and just letting letting the cycles do their thing. Yeah. I appreciate you for sharing that. I, I feel, I deeply feel your presence and your openness. So, um, and it's only right for me to share, you know, what's alive for me as well. And as we briefly talked about, it feels like I've, it's like an ego death, like every 10 minutes, because it seems like right now in particular, at least for the past like couple of weeks, it's like I've had to abandon every idea that I have about spirituality or transformation or, you know, this process of ascension and expansion or whatever you want to call it. I've had to abandon all of my ideas, all of my traditional ways of being, um, all of my definitions of what is right or wrong for me in this path and really being able to step into that place of just presence and like being able to intuit like what is it uh that i actually need right now or what direction is it that i actually need to go in and also being very compassionate with myself and patient with myself and gentle with myself because it's like i'm in this i've been traveling through these corridors where there i'm discovering that there there really is no right or wrong answer like i have to let go of this sense of striving on my journey you know like trying to get to this place and like oh like shit like i did this wrong did that wrong like i need to make up for it in this way and so yeah this has been like ego does yeah. yeah thank you i love that yeah mm -hmm. so jason who are you? Mm. Who am I? Well, one thing that came up for me, you know, in, in hearing you share, and that's been really present for me the past several days is saying to myself, like, man, there's still so much about myself I don't know. That there's so much going on behind the scenes um, that I'm still not seen and unaware of. Um, so I thought I'd sh share that because there are, you know, there are aspects of, of myself that I do know. And, you know, what I can share is that 
I there's a I have a deep devotion to life and that's um that's been hard for me because I you know it's I've had to learn through the way that there also needs to be a deep devotion for like loss and the pieces that allow life to to continue to grow um so I think that's, you know, that's like from the core of, of who I am. Um, tangibly speaking, um, I've lived on both coasts of the United States in uh, San Diego, California, as well as Virginia. I spent a lot of time in Virginia growing up as a, as a kid. Um, my father was a Navy pilot. Um, and so I lived, I went back and forth quite, quite a bit. Um, as a child and then um and then as an adult i continued to like do that back and forth uh, on my own terms seemingly on my own terms so yeah like geographically speaking i'm i'm like really influenced by a couple different types of land um you know the coastal san diego and the coastal desert of san diego and um and then in Virginia, the, the Appalachian Mountains and the Rolling Hills and uh, the rivers that are out there. So a lot of a lot of those pieces of, of those geographical areas and then, of course, all the areas that I've traveled and experienced um, really has informed me the greatest of, of who I am and continuing to use the reflection of the environments that I am to like really understand who I am, which is, yeah, this, this, this man, this person who wants to assist and aid and tend to and steward in myself and with others, um, some deepened level of harmony, knowing that harmony can't always exist you know, very much aware of that and also striving towards that. You know, when you checked in, you talked about like always striving towards something like I have that very much. Um, I can at times focus it into uh, the work that I do, which is like very much about creating connection with others and, and creating um, containers for others to connect in. Um and sometimes, um, sometimes, sometimes I strive a little too hard and it, and, um, yeah, I just need to get out of the way a little bit. So that's another, another aspect of, of my pathway of growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's this, uh, I sense this very deep quality of just, uh, observation within you and perhaps that's something that um, you know, I don't want to put words into your story, but perhaps, you know, moving, you know, around a lot as a child and throughout, through your upbringing, perhaps, um, you know, that taught you there, there was just like that inclination to look at the outside world and to understand and try to understand your relation to it as much as possible, because that's what that that's been my story, at least, um, you know, growing up in a, in a household where my parents were always fighting and eventually separated, I kind of had to like be within myself, like by default, <laughs> like I had to um, just be very observational in that way and to, pr to, to pretty much try to figure it out all on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, my parents fought a lot too growing up and I was the oldest. So I, um, you know, inherently what, what I tried to do is take on the responsibility of, uh, of each parent for the other parent, you know, for my mom, I tried to take on, you know, what my dad couldn't and vice versa with my, with my dad. Um, and it's, it's interesting you say this because, um, for me, like that played out so much. So like almost kind of inverse from you or opposite. Um, I never gave myself the space to like go inward until I, um, you know, until I became 
older and like had the space to, and, and like, you know, the noise, once the noise kind of, um, dimmed down and, and turned down, which was like, you know, years into my twenties that where I was like, Oh, wow. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some key experiences that you had, um, throughout your journey that led to, you know, your awakening? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the key one that, you know, that I usually speak on is, uh, when I was 19, I was in a coma, um, and I had slowly been killing myself, um, with drugs and alcohol, like as a teenager and 19, like my body was just, you know, responding to, uh, what I had been telling it that I was like, you know, I want to slow death here. And I was given the option to choose life, you know, when I was in that coma and, um, I was able to feel the, feel what life, the essence of life, you know, I, I was able to feel what that was like, hadn't really felt that since, um, you know, in a, in a unfiltered way since I was a child, you know, like probably six, seven or eight years old. And so I chose life, um, obviously. And, um, maybe it's not obvious, but it is for me. And, and so from that place, um, it, you know, I came out of the coma and, um, it wasn't a thought. It was just an understanding, an embodiment of what I needed to do next. And it was a long road because, you know, I had slowly been, you know, wrecking my body and my spirit and my emotions for years. And so um, it was a long, long road to get back to like, um, to like neutral. Uh, and by the time I got there, you know, I was graduating college and, um, massive shifts were taking place. You know, I was, I had radically changed my diet and, um, began, um, doing yoga more consistently as a practice moved, uh, moved to San Diego from, from Virginia, um, surrounded myself in a totally new environment, totally new people, um, continued my yoga practice, um, and just reset my life completely. And, and then um, at some point, you know, a few years after that, I had, uh, I had realized like I was still, I was, I was missing something. I was missing, um, I was missing brotherhood, essentially. Um, growing up, I had, you know, I had lots of, lots of friends, lots of, lots of brothers. And you know, like so many of us, uh, related in such an unhealthy way, we'd, you know, we'd dog on each other and tear each other down. We were, you know, alcoholics and, uh, alcoholics alongside of each other. So it was extremely messy. And I know from this place, like that was, um, that served me and it served, served, served my friends, you know, we needed that. And so we got it the way that we could just so happened to be pretty unhealthy to the spirit and body, uh, more so than not in hindsight, I guess is it's okay to say that. Um, so knowing that in, in, from a place of just like this deep longing, this deep calling to be around men. Um, so it was, it was twofold. It was like, I want to be around brothers and I also want to like, you know, be around men and step into manhood. So I went on uh, a mankind project weekend in like 2014 um, and got what I was looking for. Both of those things. Um, and I was completely blown away around what was happening in the, in those spaces. And so I kept going back, um, you know, over the course of like three or four years, I would go back and I would staff and co-facilitate on these weekends and essentially stepped into this, um, this initiation of, of my own brilliance. So uh, when I first showed up, it was initiation into like responsibility, accountability alongside of other men and understanding um, what it's like to self-source one's own life, right? From, from the core depths. If, if we talk about masculinity, right? Like the, the, the key component that I 
transcribe from all the things that I've witnessed, heard, and experienced in myself and others is that masculinity is about coming into contact with self-sourcing ourselves across all, all aspects of life, financially, energetically, emotionally, sexually, right? All, all the areas of life. So, so knowing that, like, that was my, that was my key point, my key initiation in like 2014. And then around 2016 had kind of, um, a new initiation arose and it was me like kind of reclaiming my, my intelligence, my intelligence and my, my brilliance to create and design and to invite others into collaboration around that. Um, which just so happened to be, um, like experiential, uh, experiential design and, uh, creating experiences with others. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, dude. Um, and so what, what are some of the key takeaways that you took away from those first experiences with, um, you know, with, with men's work and being engaged with that brotherhood? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the biggest one was the power of the community witness. Um, and specifically in this context, the power of, uh, brotherhood community witness, um, you know, in these spaces um, that I was that I was formed in with with Mankind Project that I learned and trained in, and then, you know, as we do in in Sacred Sons now, and and with you know, I imagine most men's organizations um, that are active right now is the group witness, the power of that, and what that can do for an individual and the group and the group of individuals. Um, it it's able to shift things from my experience, like in myself and I know, and I've heard other men say this too, and I've seen it. Um, it's able to shift profound longings, desires, wounds, traumas, you know, all those things in such an effective uh, way. And that can be done in a way where there doesn't need to be a lot of talking. There doesn't need to be a lot of, explanation and story it's helpful story is helpful and yeah it's just it's magic it's straight up magic mm -hmm. what what the community group can witness when people when individuals have an opportunity to go to a um a vulnerable place yeah that i mean dude that was like my biggest takeaway is that like there was something about kind of like being on the spot like that and kind of like you said I think you said being witnessed or kind of being in that spotlight being vulnerable it really showed me like because it's like in those in those places like whenever you feel something come up the mind at least my mind always wants to try to find the answer wants to try to find the root. It wants to try to figure out, like figure something out, like what needs to be fixed about me? What do I need to be doing differently? But it's so easy to get caught up in that trap. And it's like, no, like the point is simply to just open. It's just, it's just allowing the opening to happen. And like the mind is going to have all these different interpretations of it, but there is no right necessarily. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And like the group where the group really comes into um, benefit is it's almost as if the, the group can squeeze out the truth, right? It like, because especially in groups where there's like men who have like maybe done some of this work and they understand, you know, what that inner navigation is like, um, our, our patients and, or like bullshit meters, you know, um, kind of get pretty honed in. And so like, if, if, if we're trying to do that, not that again, not that like stories bullshit, um, 
there's time and place, right time, right place for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost as if the group squeezes it out just by its own presence, without words even, you know, a few words here and there to, to inform the individual who might be doing some work in the center. Um, so that's what I love because then it's like, there's like, as a, as an organizer, as a facilitator, as a leader, then I have to speak less. I have to get in the way less, you know, and, and the group gets to just, um, let, let the truth come through, mm-hmm. yeah. which, which I believe aids in what you're speaking to, right? It's so there's like a full re- reciprocation there. It's like when the person sharing feels that then at least for me, and I've seen it in others, there's more inclination to soften and, and open into that space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, man. So I want to go into, into the archetypes, into the masculine archetypes, because um, this is something that I've wanted to go over on the podcast for a while. So whenever you said you, you wanted to do it, I was like, all right. Um, so for people who may not understand, could you first just give a very brief understanding of what an archetype means to you. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, the way that I've come to look at archetypes is that it is a certain universal flavor and character of human experience through through, yeah, through, through characters or animals or some, some other um, understood and unique role or player. Um, so example is that, uh, you know, easy example, the warrior archetype for men, um, right? That, that's a certain flavor. It's a certain expression, collective expression over time too that's an important thing is that over time that's where the universality comes in right there's these characters and flavors that are still present in in our existence we can call them you know there's we can call them whatever we want we can whittle them down to four or seven or 12 or 24 40 you know it's like however much flavor and different um uh expressions wants to come through is, is beautiful. Um, for me, I'm, I'm one who loves to like simplify things. Um, and so using like four to seven in, in the masculine realm is, is generally what I, um, like to show up with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Let's, get, let's get into it. Um, I want to start with the warrior. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different dimensions to these archetypes, of course. You have like a, like a light side and a shadow side. But how do you understand the warrior archetype? And, um, you know, what have been some of your experiences with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the warrior uh, is the role of illuminating boundaries, like first and foremost, like that's illumination of the boundaries. So like, like here's, here's me and here's you. Right. And so defining those boundaries um, and if need to like reaffirming them and reaffirming them, whether that's through words, whether that's through um different intensity of words, whether that's through physicality. Um, so ultimately it's about, um, boundaries, um, which, you know, protection comes into play. I think I just pretty much described protection as well. Um, and not only illumination of boundaries, but in deep service and responsibility to, to always doing that. Right. We think about warriors, um, uh, or soldiers or, you know, anyone who's on, who's been in the, uh, the field of battle, um, like there's deep service, right? Service is also a word that comes up um, and, and never 
never betraying that commitment. So again, it's it's uh, it's really it's like commitment to illumination of boundaries. Some some ways that like um, I've shown up in Warrior is um, commitment to this work. You know, one of my one of my core childhood wounds, you know, that I spoke to was like taking on both of my parents' stuff. Um, you know, I took on a good amount of my mom's my mom's stuff around my dad, and um, you know, made a commitment at some point in life to. Uh, for that to not be pet perpetuated through myself in my relationships, um, as well as to um, create spaces and create opportunities for others to to not do that. Um, that being said, um, I'm not perfect, and um, you know I've I've failed at that. I failed at that in relationships, as 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 I know many of us do, um, and ultimately it's. Um, you know, I had to come to terms with like, that is a beautiful commitment uh, to be in service to, to, uh, you know, protect the feminine. Um, and I'm still, I'm still in service and I'm still committed to that. And um, that needs to come from a place of me in, in a knowingness and a wanting to do that, not out of a place of, of hurt and wound, you know, from my own childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful, man. For me, where I've really seen my warrior come online as of late is my relationship with my mother. Because it's very easy to, you know, like we're, we're, we're programmed into giving these authority figures in our life so much power and giving them authority over us. And it's like, like I've had to set, I've had to continually, continually set my boundaries with my mom. Like just because she's my mom doesn't mean that she can talk to me in a certain way. Doesn't mean that she can, you know, it doesn't mean that I, that I have to, um, It doesn't mean that that she like orders me around, you know, and just like these certain things. And, and it's and it's really coming back to like, okay, like what am I agreeing to? What am I subconsciously agreeing to whenever I'm interacting with her? And what do I need to bring to the light? What agreements do I need to reestablish <laughs> or break? Um and so that's definitely been that that's been super alive for me. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah, the agreements pieces, that's um the awareness around that with the warrior and um just like you said like uh almost like revisiting and auditing the agreements that we make, right? It's like agreements aren't set in stone and it's up to us to to determine if if they're working or not. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause like, if I'm, if I'm making an agreement towards something that is like, you know, uh, not for my best, but I'm doing it out of obligation, then, um, that's like, you know, that's just such a vicious cycle. Yeah. It's a profound waste of our precious energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which that flows very beautifully into the magician archetype, uh, in my opinion. And so, this is probably like, like, this is one of my favorite archetypes because I mean, all of these archetypes like have power, of course, but the magician, it's like a, it just has like such like a unique and subtle power because I feel like it's just happening like just on a moment to moment basis, at least in my life, it seems to be so pronounced and I seem to be able to tap into that one so easily. Yeah. Yeah. Same here, especially on the, um, on the work level for me, um, in terms of, um, my role in sacred, my various roles in sacred sons. Um, I'm often in that archetype, um, which is a lot of fun. 
It's a lot of fun. And what I'm learning is how to, because I'm in that role so much, um, to balance that out, like in my life, when I'm not working, when I'm not in work mode, when I'm not in collaboration, uh, specifically with, with sacred sons to consciously go into these other realms, uh, other, other archetypes so that I'm not like just always in there. Yeah. Yeah. The magician for me is, um, it came on pretty strong in my, my twenties, you know, like, uh, after, after the coma, cause I had to get really fucking creative about how I was going to, um, come into good health. So for me, first and foremost, you know, with my health is, is where my magician has, has showed up. And that's like, yeah, that's, that's its first, first training ground, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much, there's so much, I mean, with the warrior and the magician and the lover in particular, I feel like the King's a different story, but between those three, it, it seems like they're so closely related. Like, I feel like in one moment, like there's like a, there can be like just a simultaneous expression of all of them. So for example, like, let's say, um, let's say I've created a belief system or there's a story in my head that um, eating this certain meal is quote unquote unhealthy. And from one perspective, it is. Uh, but from another perspective, it's like, no, like oneness, this food is also you. You create your stories about the food. You can enjoy this meal without, you know, this illusion that you're going to be hurt by it. And so it's like a mix of the warrior, the magician and the lover, because it's like the warrior that's saying, okay, I'm going to step into this and I'm going to neutralize this emotional charge. Um, And from that same lens, it's like the magician saying, okay, like I'm going to rewrite this story and turn this quote unquote poison into my elixir. And it's, I'm literally going to create a story in which this thing makes me stronger than I was before. And then it's the lover who's like opening, like, like that's like the energetic, like I have to open my heart to this and like fully commit into opening into this reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then it's like with the sovereign or the king, um, that, that archetype gets to make the decisions, the small decisions and the greater decisions. Right. So like for me, I can totally relate to this. Um, and so I can make the decision to do that, um, in that way, just, just the way that you explained. Um, and then it's also up to me to make the decision to, not do that at times when I see that I'm like doing that over and over again and I might, and then it's like, Oh wait, this is great. And like, you know, me doing this, you know, eight times in a row, there's actually something new is created from that. Right. Like there's so many more outcomes and, and, uh, cofactors. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I really like that. It's like that, that oversight, of the king because kind of like we were talking about earlier like it can get very um you can seriously start to carry this like like with the warrior magician in particular perhaps it seems like you can seriously and even lover you can get into this place that's kind of like reckless uh it's reckless totally. it's um At least for me, it's like just getting into that place of striving pretty much. I mean, like a lot of times it's getting into that place of striving and not really taking a step back and being able to see that like, I don't really, yeah, just stepping back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something, there's some analogies and metaphors that I like to play in and is actually on our um the our our embodied masculine course that we have at sacred sons is like it's seven weeks of of archetypes so part of what comes through in that is like um 
So if inherently the world that we live in, like of those four archetypes, like our sovereignty is the most offline, right? Just by, just by the nature of, of this world and how many humans are in this world and how long wars have been going on for, uh, for, um, sovereignty, um, or power. And so if we know that that's like an inherent thing, then of course, these three other archetypes, the lover, warrior, magician are going to be, um, fighting in some, in some cases fighting internally for the driver's seat. And Sometimes it's nice to have the magician in the driver's seat. Sometimes it's nice to have the warrior in the driver's seat. Um, don't want the lover in the in the driver's seat because the because the the lover doesn't have the resources, the inner resources to to make those decisions, right? But the lover does have the essence uh, to communicate what is really needed, um, and so. Um, if the sovereign comes online, then there's a piece that holds it all together. Those four together, the, the three, the four of them really act in, in collaboration. So it's like the, um, the lover is, has the needs. It, it's the core essence in expression. It's the, the warrior's job to protect that. It's the magician's job to put that into actuality and into life. And it is the, sovereign's job to acknowledge its existence and to um, tend to and serve that cycle of of relationships between those four and make the decisions right when it when it's not or the decisions to to further it to further tend to it so yeah that's that's an analogy that we like to use and um yeah, it's a, you know, like with all of these, it's, it's, it's a map, right? And um, it's a map, it's a guide, and it's good to like really get in there for, for us to like see like how our behaviors, where they're coming from. And then um, at some point use, use the archetypes as a map to see how one is navigating life. Mm -hmm. So would you say that the, that the backbone of that sovereign or, or the king or whatever you want to call it, would you say that the backbone of that archetype is presence or or, or how would you understand uh, the coming online of that aspect? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Presence is a good way to say it. Um, and presence and vulnerability really um which you know comes from from the other archetypes too i mean i th honestly i think there's there's a there's a degree of vulnerability that is required in all these archetypes just based on the world we live in and like in masculinity as a whole so presence and then vulnerable presence in like a um a receptive, like I can, I can handle the shit that you're about to throw at me, not in like a puffing of the chest, but like whatever you need to say to me, say it to me because I'm here for that. And that's really fucking hard. So I, so like presence and vulnerability in my own presence, but not necessarily being vulnerable to others with my presence. If, if we're getting wordsmithy. Yeah. So, 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 so like surrender pretty much like, uh, Mm -hmm. like um kind of just like letting go of at least in my experience like surrender yeah surrender is like letting go of a lot of my preferences um a lot of my ideologies um and you know back to the striving it's like letting go of like what i think needs to be done <laughs> in mm -hmm. order for blank to take place Totally. Yeah. Something with the sovereign is like at that point, if we look at it from a developmental cycle, it's like, you know, in terms of human years and whatnot, it's like we're lover first and then we come into warrior, then we come into magician and then we come into sovereign. And there's something that happens in the sovereign when we 
start to learn it and embody it is it starts to pivot away from like the internal landscape scape of me and the rest of my archetypes and to we, right? And there's like all kinds of science, you know, around this with, with the nervous system and everything. Um, but the, the sovereign starts to pivot away and starts to um, be available to the we. And it does that just like you say through surrender, because it knows that there's something greater than itself. Yeah. Right. That's so, and so how, how, so how could I not surrender to something that I know is greater than myself while also knowing that these things, these other aspects of myself are important as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's super interesting. How that, um, how that comes online, that, selfless surrender that servitude or whatever you want to call it because at least for me on my path you know on my dharma you know my way of service um and coming out and creating this podcast and doing you know whatever i'm doing on social media is you know like at first it was totally and i would say almost absolutely about myself and there's nothing wrong with that because it was like, that was my way of becoming more free. <laughs> like that was like the, that was literally the next thing on my path that I absolutely had to do in order to follow my heart, in order to open more into my world and to become more free. However, over time, and I've noticed this, especially um, towards like the latter half of 2020, is it just started to like i just started to see the world in a bit of a different way and it, it just started to seem like it was a lot bigger than myself um just seeing other people suffer and and, and just knowing the potential for human suffering um really just like lit like a fire under me and like really encouraged me to to just do my own work even more and to just keep serving and serving and serving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How could, how could you not, right? You're so primed for it and so ready. Yeah. There's, there's this other archetype that, you know, we use often too is like the steward. So the stewards almost like stewards, almost like the hub and if these other four archetypes that we talk about are like spokes, the steward is the hub. And that's really where service or contribution, right? Stewardship, Sherpa, service, um, really gets anchored in on an archetypal level. And um, so, yeah, like hearing you speak that, that that sounds like you coming into, you know, communication and connection with that archetype in a very initiatory and, and big way that is like undeniable, right? It's like, Oh, I can't deny this, this calling and this realization in my life. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. like, like I saw it really hit with me whenever I saw someone, one of my loved ones going through, you know, suffering through something that I've had a lot of experience in my life suffering through. Um, and seeing multiple people suffer kind of with that same thing. And, and I was like, wow, like, 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 I, like I have like maybe 10 podcasts in my backlog. I was like, dude, I want to release every single one of these like right now. <laughs> and it just like, yeah, it's like really put me in that mode of like, I, I, like I have to do something, you know? Um, but I want to get into you know some recommendations and you know some advice uh for for men who feel like they need some direction yeah well um for those listening you're not alone um, as much as the signs point to that, as much as your biology might be telling you that and the chemicals in your body um, might be saying that, 
um, we are wired to be in connection with others. And there's so there is enough people doing this work for someone who feels alone to be a part of that. Like, yes, the whole world is not doing this, but we don't need the whole world to be doing this type of work, but there's enough people doing it so that somebody else can come and be a part of that. And it's understandable that one might think that they're alone because that's, we've been conditioned to be that way. And we make choices that reaffirm that for, for good reason, right? For survival or perceived survival. And we're at a time now collectively where um, making those choices just to survive isn't enough to survive. It's like, it's either you die or you, or there's, there's X amount of time to survive. You either survive and live or you survive and die like metaphorically or literally, I don't know. You know, it's like somebody could be dealing with health stuff that, you know, uh, allows their, their physical health to ail or emotionally and mental health. So, um, you know, and like, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm deeply surrounded by community and brotherhood and I still feel alone at times. And that's because of my own choices and because of my, my choices in the past that have allowed me to perpetuate, um, those stories, which also do have a biological component to them. Um, so yeah, but Sometimes I like to say like, how dare that you think you're the only one who thinks you're alone, you know, and um, in a beautiful way of, of like a challenging way, you know, it's like, don't, don't do that anymore. And it's hard. I understand it. We get it, but don't do that anymore. Don't, don't tell yourself alone when there's, when, you know, if you're listening to this right now, then you know that somebody is doing this work. At least two people are doing this work and we're, we're alluding to other people doing this work as well. So that's what, yeah, that's, that's, what's present for me in that. Yeah, for sure. It's like, just do your work and <laughs> I'm sure you found this on your experience. It's like, or perhaps you have, um, you know, the challenges don't go away. The suffering certainly doesn't go away, but what I have found is that I seem to bounce back quicker and quicker from those bouts of whatever it may be. Um, and I'm just able to, I guess, just like ride the waves a little bit more because I know that every breakdown, every collapse, every constriction, right on the other side of that is just another, you know, uphill or, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, totally. The cycles of nature don't lie. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and yeah, it's like, it's kind of just being in that place behind it, just being able to enjoy the show and just watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what are like some, you know, some daily practices that, um, that are really able to help you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, couple of times a day I do like a, a meditation sit um, that is uh, a little more sp specific in how it's approached. It's like uh, Theta Healing is, is the name for it. Um, it's, it's really quick, um, but it's just getting in touch with that source energy and um, clearing my energy field of anything else that, that might not be sovereign to myself. Um, as well as like asking for any support in any specific areas of, of, you know, this body, this life. Um, so that's kind of like, yeah, energetic psychic maintenance as well as source connection. And then um, I like to dance a lot. I like to uh, do like ecstatic dance, uh, five rhythms type dance. Um, as a personal practice, something I've been doing for, I don't know, a handful of years. Um, 
and it really it's beautiful because I where I'm at now with it, I've started to incorporate more like uh like training elements to it. So it's like less about expression or like, you know, like uh spontaneous expression and more like defined like movements that like are recurring. So um and that comes through because uh one of the brothers who I'm um here living with um is he's a biomechanics trainer, um Pasha, Pasha Ersan. Uh, who's uh, his backgrounds in biomechanics and functional patterns. Um, so a lot of that stuff is online for me as well. And um, yeah, spiraled, spiraled movement, spiraled movement is, is probably the best way to say it with spirit and, and self-connection online in expressing those spirals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dude. I literally any, <laughs> any opportunity possible to connect like i guarantee like the listeners out there like let's say you're like sitting in, in your bed or something and you have this you have that you notice like your inclination to reach for your phone just don't just like don't for like one time and sit with yourself and like that's it like mm-hmm. you don't even have like you don't have to be too structured or rigid about it like move your body or like literally anything like every single thing is a rep totally yeah and and those small one of the things that i've said through the years is like courage in the small choices which is totally what you're saying right here because it's like uh especially if if the behavior is very pronounced right if somebody's like super addicted to their phone or to whatever they might be addicted to um or you know, we don't even have to say addicted to, but where there's, where some self-discipline is needed, right? Like it takes a small choice, big choices as well, but the small choices create the opportunity for those big choices. So like small course corrections. So I really appreciate that. And that's something that that's, um, yeah, deeply, deeply ingrained in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like one of my, my most recent daily practices is uh, taking baths um yeah yeah so important dude it's 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 insane i don't know why it works but well i know i do a lot of like visualization with it too which i think is super powerful like imagining that the that the water is like uh doing a whole bunch of shit with it (laughs) like turning it like purple and saying okay this purple energy that's entering my body is doing x y and z you know what i mean and like i literally walk out of the bathtub feeling like a god (laughs) so good that's amazing yeah i love that um go ahead that was it oh okay Uh, um i have one more question for you man and that is what to you is the meaning of life hmm Yeah. Well, I think we've, I think we've spoken in a few ways, you know, here and based on where I'm at in this moment and and what's come up in this conversation, I I would say that it's um, to experience the, the force of life to experience that within ourselves and others and everything that that indicates us you know or implicates us to do right it's like if if i'm not able to experience this force of life that is present to me what do i need to experience in order to begin to experience it in that deeper way and is that with myself is that with another is that with another over time? Is it with animals? Is it with the earth? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jason, this was a kick-ass show and I appreciate you for being here, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. It's been good to connect on this level and um, yeah, I appreciate you and, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, how these podcasts unfold for you and and the work unfolds for you and 
um, yeah, I can really feel your, your presence and, and your brilliance. Mm-hmm. You as well, you as well, man. And thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Aloha.